I hope you have a, you know, um, a, a happy and a merry uh, uh, Christmas season. Uh, I know a lot can be going on, but uh, for, for all of us who are believers, we can reach down in our soul, magnify the Lord. Yesterday, uh, my, my wife shared with me a video, maybe you've seen this video, of a little Christmas program that was going on just a few days ago, and one of the little angels had a lot of joy going on. So let's take a look at this. That's pretty good. Um, and by the way, we're going to have one more song now before we finish today, and you feel free to celebrate and maybe have some of your own little uh, worship moves going on there. Okay. Uh, well, this morning, this message is called uh, Christmas Credentials, and uh, from Hebrews chapter 1. You know, we celebrate Advent, Christmas, Advent. Uh, and in Advent, what we do, the word means appearing or coming, we look back to the first coming of Jesus, and we look forward to his second coming, and we acknowledge the in-between, and the in-between is where we are right now, and it's a mixture of joy and sorrow. We give thanks for what God has done. We give thanks for what God will do, what he'll bring about. We give thanks for where he is with us right now. And uh, my friends, God is up to something good. He's working his plan. And in Christ, you have a fantastic future ahead of you. You have a never-ending happy ending on the way. Um, let me read to you the scripture that's uh, the, our foundation for the morning. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. You ready? In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. In times past, God spoke. He's still speaking. He communicates. You know, communication can be a challenge. I mean, if, if, if you, uh, when you get married, you have to learn. You speak the same language, but you have to learn how to communicate. In communication, there are things like timing tone, appropriateness. I mean, should I have said this publicly or should I have just said this you and me one-on-one? -on -one? Accuracy, reception. Michael Hyatt is a business consultant. Whenever he goes into a company, uh, they're sitting around a boardroom or with a small group, and he'll go to the board and he writes two phrases up there. Show up, speak up. In other words, show up, engage here, be a part of this, and speak up. You have something to say. Let us, let us hear you. Okay? I was reading an article earlier this year that talked about how that in communication, interpersonal communication, they said it, it needs to flow like a trapeze. Where we're, 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 
we're going back and forth with the trapeze. And I don't want to hold on to it too long because you're going to jump and there's nothing to hold on to. And they, they made the point of, you know, in most interpersonal communications, it's important to treat the conversation just like that. It's a personal conversation. It's not a deposition. It's not an audit. In other words, you know, if I were going to say to you, hey, something wonderful happened to me last week. I can't, I got to tell you about it. You won't believe what I saw and experienced while I was downtown. And let me tell you about it. You see, was it Tuesday or Wednesday I was down there? I might have been Tuesday. No, I think it was Wednesday. And I was, when I was downtown, you won't believe what happened. And I think I was on Smith Street. Was I on Smith? Or maybe I was on that street one over. What's, it, what's the name of that? And you're going, just get to the point. Is this relevant? This is not relevant. You know, you got to keep the trapeze flowing here, back and forth. Just communication is a, is a challenge. And in times past, God spoke. And he's still speaking, and his final word is through Jesus. And i got to tell you, I'm so thankful that God has spoken and is still speaking through Jesus, through the Scriptures. In no other way could we know him. Though the universe declares the glory of God and bears witness to his power, it could never tell us of his love. History tells us of the sovereignty of God, but it could never explain exactly what Christ was doing on the cross. Our conscience lets us know that there's right and wrong, but it can never teach us how to live and love rightly. Unless God speaks, we would never know him or his love for us, but he has. He is. The unapproachable has become accessible. Jesus perfectly represents God to us, and Scripture perfectly represents Jesus to us. And because God has spoken, there's a solution to our problem. There is hope for our future. There is forgiveness for our sins. There's salvation for your soul. Now, when I was a kid, I would sometimes verbally spar with my parents until they settled it with four words because I said so. And even as I got older, my mom got older, I would sometimes remind her of a phrase she would regularly use with me when I would verbally spar. She would say, young man, are you disputing my word? And, you know, that's a question, and you better answer it correctly. In times past, God spoke to the prophets. He now speaks through Jesus. This is his final word. And I want you to notice these credentials of Jesus, the credentials of Christmas, if you will. Some, some have called these the seven wonders of Christ. He's heir of all things. Now, that's not unusual for a father to bequeath an inheritance to his son. He's heir of all things. Listen, and that makes you co-heir because you're joint heirs with Christ, the Bible says. In other words, you can walk outside and say, well, that's my sunset. That's my universe. That's my sunrise too. It's all in the lap of Jesus, and you are a co-heir with Christ. He made the universe. He made it all. God the Father, 
God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. How big is Jesus? He's so big, he created it all with the power of his word, no strain, no effort. I love the story of the little boy in Sunday school who said to his teacher, he said, in all those billions and billions and billions of stars and planets and bodies out in space, why in the world did God go to all that trouble to make that? And the Sunday school teacher said, what trouble? There's no trouble. He just says, let there be light. And there's light. He is heir of all things. He made the universe. He's the radiance of God's glory. All that God is, that's who Jesus is. And by the way, sometimes I know we'll say we need to give God glory. And I understand that. It's, you know, we all use that phrase. But there is a way that we really don't, we don't give God glory. We acknowledge his glory, his majesty, his wonder. I don't make water wet. I, I recognize it's wet. I don't give God glory. He has glory. It's in his nature. We either recognize it or we ignore it. But he's the radiance of God's glory. He's, he's the exact representation of his being. In other words, the startling claim of Christianity, the startling claim of Christmas is that God appeared as a real man in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And he's the exact representation of his being. The, the idea here is of a, of a stamp. The impression that a, that a stamp makes is identical to the pattern. In other words, I have a stamp in my office. And, and I, can, I can press it down on something and, and it'll say, from the library of, of Ronnie Norman. And the impression and the stamp, they're identical. By the way, some of you might even have a book if you were to open it up. And it might say, from the library of, of Ronnie Norman inside. Just, just a little reminder there. Um, and Jesus is the exact representation of God. Imagine Jesus going into the temple. Let's just use our holy imagination here for a moment. He's 12 years old. And one of the wise teachers there says, son, just how old are you? And he would say, well, on my mother's side, I'm 12. But on my father's side, I'm older than my mother, and I'm just as old as my father. He was God and man. On his mother's side, he got hungry. On his father's side, he took a little, one little boy's lunch, and he fed 5,000 people. On his mother's side, he wept at the grave of Lazarus. On his father's side in his deity, he said, Lazarus, come forth, and he raised him from the dead. He was God in human flesh, the exact image, and he's sustaining all things by his powerful word. In other words, dynamically involved today, he didn't just create it and move away. He's sustaining it all. All of you in business, you start something and everybody asks, is this sustainable? He's sustaining it all by the power of his word. God will always be above us, but he never wants to be away from us. And he is with us. And the Lord Jesus has day-to-day -day involvement in everything. And part of what that means is you were not made to hold yourself together. You were made to depend on the Lord. And 
He holds it all together, sustains it all. And let me just ask personally, he can sustain you, help you, help your marriage. Don't give up leaning on him, depending upon him. One, uh, one woman, a fantastic Bible teacher, she, see, she said this. She said, think about this. If the distance between the earth and the sun, 93 million miles, imagine that to be the thickness of one sheet of paper. Then the distance between the earth and the nearest star would be a stack of paper 70 feet high. The distance across the galaxy, the diameter of our galaxy, would be a stack of paper 310 miles high. And our galaxy is just one little speck of dust in the universe. And if there is someone out there who holds it all together by his little pinky, is that the kind of person you, with condescension, say, would you just come be my personal assistant? Or is this someone to whom you bow and reverence and honor and ascribe glory and lordship? Hey, there are two more wonders, and they get even better. He provided purification for sins. And only Jesus can do this. Only Jesus can cleanse you of all sins and make you guilt-free. And this is the focal point of Scripture. Jesus deals with the sin problem. Two weeks ago, I reminded you, he won't solve every personal problem. He cares. A lot of things will get solved. But he came to solve the sin problem, and that's your greatest need. You might think, well, my greatest need is food and water. No, it's not. My greatest need is shelter. No, it's not. Your greatest need is to be reconciled to God in a status of sonship or daughtership delivered from sin. There's a well-known Hollywood comedian. He's also known as an atheist. He was interviewed a few years ago, and someone said, if there is a God, what would you want him to say to you? He gave a three-word answer. You are forgiven and every sane person is looking for that same sense of assurance that's why Jesus came the eternal son of God stepping into our shoes bearing our penalty and carrying it far away bearing the judgment of God and bringing us into his mercy he was treated as, as an enemy so that we might become sons and daughters my friend, you don't have to live in disgrace. You don't have to run away from the Lord. He loves to show mercy in a broken and contrite heart. He will not, never despise. And last of all, he accomplished his work, and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. There he reigns from a throne on high. This is Jesus, God's great prophet, priest, and king. He's God's final word. He's everything you will ever need, the best friend you will ever have. Listen, and you listen to these credentials. This is in your face. <laughs> these are strong credentials. As C.S. Lewis said, 
don't give me any of this nonsense about Jesus being a nice teacher or a good. He didn't leave that option open to you. You can call him a liar. You can call him a lunatic. Or you can bow down and worship him as Lord. But the scriptures are very, very clear that Jesus is not just one option of many. This is not just a king. This is the king of all kings. This is not just a Lord. This is the Lord of all lords. So a couple of talking points, walking points you take home with you. First of all, worship Jesus Christ because indeed he's worthy. He's worthy of our worship. He's God's good gift, and this is a gift to be acknowledged and not ignored. And I would remind you, he's worthy of everything. He's worthy of every sacrifice, penny, and dollar. He's worthy of every ounce of energy you give in service. He's worthy of your efforts to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He's worthy of that energy. And it starts by believing. You put your faith in Christ. And you know, the word believe is a strong word. It means to put your full weight down on something. You do a belly flop into Jesus Christ. You know, I would not put my full weight, all 152 pounds of my full weight, I would not put that down on this music stand. It would not hold my full weight. When we believe in Jesus, we put our full weight there. And if you're not going to believe in Christ, I would ask you respectfully to please name your alternative. It's pretty easy to sit back and say, well, here, here are all of my doubts. But if you decide Christianity's not true, historic, orthodox, apostolic Christianity's not true, then what will you believe? For some, they say, well, right now it's just going to be sort of a personalized spirituality. Or you just pick and choose some beliefs that sort of make sense to you, some politics, some you know, spiritual ideas. And if that's you, okay, then consider what that alternative means. In other words, you are effectively saying, I am the ultimate arbiter of truth. And you might feel comfortable with that. If you're not going to believe in Christianity, name your alternative. Yeah, I've got some family members, if you say, hey, we're going to go out to eat, where would you like to go? And they'll say, well, I don't want sushi. Okay. Well, where would you like to go? Well, I'm, I'm not in the mood for barbecue. Okay. Well, where would you, what, what, are you, what are you in the mood for? Well, I, I, you know, I don't want a salad. I hear all of the objections. I get that. What are you for? I get what you question about Christianity, but what do you believe? Well, you know, there's some things in the Bible that I just I don't agree with. There are many things in the Bible that at times are hard to understand and they will challenge you. But I've got a question for you. How will this God of your imagination ever challenge you or correct you? If you're unwilling to listen to something you don't like hearing... Will you ever give God permission to teach you, to challenge you, to correct you, to actually grow you? Or is this a God where you put your own little microchip in there and said, I want you to turn right when I say right, turn left when I say left. 
Do you have a real God? And I believe you find that real God. In times past, he would speak to the prophets in the Old Testament. And now we have a final word in Jesus Christ. And as Jesus said, even as I ascend, I'm sending the Holy Spirit who will guide you into all truth. He's worthy of our worship. And second of all, he's worthy of our service. Be on mission for Jesus because he is the remedy. He's not only our remedy, he's the remedy for the people we know and love. And that's why as a church, that's why we teach children. That's why we teach students. That's why we gather together to keep one another strong in the Lord. Martin Marty was a longtime teacher at the University of Chicago. And he was asked one time, he said, what should the church be doing in the 21st century? He said, the church needs to keep doing what the church has always been called to do. Worship God. Be a community of belonging. Rescue and nurture souls. That's the mission of the church. And during this season, might I just ask you, who is one person in your life who could use a nudge from you in the direction of Jesus? Our great God and King loves to show mercy. In Luke chapter 5, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law who belong to their sect, they complain, notice, why does Jesus eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy people who need a doctor, but the sick. And I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And when you've blown it, and when I've blown it afresh, we need to just keep running back to the Lord. You know, we just don't engage in self-loathing. He loves you. He longs to show mercy and grace, and his mercies are new every single day. He's worthy of our worship. He's the remedy, so let's be on mission for him. And who's one person in your circle who could use a nudge in his direction from you? Well, I'll close with this. Drew, be getting ready to come up here, please. A few years ago, Martha and I, we were at the gra graduation at ACU. And um, many of you have been on that campus. It was in Moody Coliseum. And so the students, they're, the graduates, they're down on the floor. And we were seated, of course, above. So we're looking down at the graduates. And, and of course, all the graduates are wearing the gown and the mortarboard, you know, mortarboard hat. And, but there was one, one young lady graduate she came walking by us and she had written something on 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 her hat and it was very very obvious it just said thank you Jesus I would have loved to have known her story um, did someone help pay for her education was there a, a particular professor or two uh, there that was uh, particularly inspirational to her did she make a, a a group of friends that were really shaped her life I I don't know all the reasons why but in that moment, she wanted everybody in that room to know, thank you, Jesus. You know, the Bible says that actually every single good gift you have has come down from above. Jennifer, that ability you have to play the flute, now you've stewarded that ability. That gift comes from 
the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Simon, that ability you have to play the violin, that's a gift from God. The very breath you take today, the opportunity to be here, it's all a gift from our great God and King. But as the Bible would say, the greatest gift of all is the forgiveness of our sins, the promise of eternal life, the presence of the, God, of the living God uh, within us. Our God is up to something good. In times past, he's been at work, and today we celebrate Advent, the first coming of Christ. We look forward to the second Advent when he will set all things right. He's up to something good. He's up to something good in your life and mine. He's worthy of our worship. And you have before you, my friends, a fantastic future. That never-ending, happy ending. All made possible because the Lord knows you and loves you.